This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome on Jason of What Do You Do and Super Smash Finder to chat about conversions to 2E, the debut of Super Smash Finder, and more. I'm your host, Steve, in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. Yeah, we're back. We're back. It is a brand new year. It is a new year. We're recording this in the new year, which is totally giving me a ton of time to edit it. Yep. Uh, the regular episode will drop on uh, the 4th. We're recording this on the 2nd. <laughs> uh, still riding high from the big New Year's Eve celebration we had. That's exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Um, we're drinking some good beer today. We have a particularly good guest. Not like some of those other ones we have. We've got a good <laughs> Ooh, one this time. Ouch. But yeah, we're 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 just hanging out, Griff. What are we drinking today? So today I thought I would split something with you uh, that I brought home. I'm going to show it to the camera for Jason to see. But it is uh, Surly Brewing Company Darkness. It's a Russian Imperial Stout. We got a 750 milliliter bottle. Pour myself a little bit more there. Hmm. But it's uh, it's really good. It's nice and roasty. It's not overpoweringly boozy, which I was kind of expecting. Um, and I'm a fan. Yeah, I like nice. I like Russian Imperials though. So I think I think we checked it out. It was sitting at about twelve percent ABV, so a little chunky for a beer. But yeah, like you said, it doesn't taste like it's twelve percent. You definitely tell there's a little bit of a higher ABV, but it's not gross. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. <laughs> Um, and as as for me, I'm drinking that, of course, but I got a sidearm for when I blow through that. That's a can of old style. Um, nice. You know, a lot of people, you know, know me as the hams guy, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll get crazy and have some old style. I mean, I got a yingling <laughs> sidecar if we're all drinking beverages from where we're from. That's, yeah, there you go, man. And uh, let's just kick it off here because we have so much on the agenda to cover today. And I'll tell you what. Big surprise in the finale for those oh, of you yeah. who stick around oh, to yeah. the end. Big surprise. Mm. Um, but in the meantime, like I mentioned in the intro, you may know him from the upcoming Super Smash Finder project or his social media accounts under the What Do You Do pods handle. But he's also a veteran of the Zone of Truth, GM of Lunch Hour Heroes, and full-time dad to not only his own kid, but by proxy, it feels like most of us in the Paizoverse as well. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, thanks, guys. So glad to be here with you today. Glad what are you drinking, back. buddy? I am drinking a uh, ball jar of old Overholt rye whiskey because uh, it was what I had available uh, when uh, when I was looking around this afternoon. <laughs> I haven't, been to the, haven't actually been into a grocery store in a while, so uh, getting the... Exact right craft is a, a little trickier these days. But uh, to you and to all of the Carrion crew, a very happy new year. Happy new year. Cheers. 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 Yeah. Now, Jason, would you say that this setup that we have right now is uh, more the same or less professional than last time you recorded with Ooh, us? Okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to say that uh, qualified yes. Okay. Good. And that's it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. We, uh, I remember that the setup uh, from the 2019, God, has it been a year and a half since it we saw been. each other at Gen Con? Good Lord. Um, 
uh, that was uh, professional in a different way in that uh, <laughs> you guys uh, had that whole interview come out sounding awesome based on us using that uh, the little uh, awesome recorder and the oh, mics yeah. and me not knowing anything about mic discipline at that point, which was just <laughs> very generous of you. Yeah. Um, but this, you know, hey, like, look, this is a live stream call that's going to come out sounding fantastic as well. So I'd say, yeah, we're qualified, very professional on. I don't I don't know that I've ever known you guys to be uh, audio. Uh, put an asterisk here in audio matters. I've never known you to be unprofessional. I appreciate okay. that. Because yeah. none of us yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's true. true. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're kind of making it up as we go. But yes, I, I do think this is a, a step above our uh, three of us crowding around a table in our Gen Con Airbnb. There was no sound treatment in there. there yeah, was, at, there one, very at one point, the second half of the crew, up, the crew just showed up and was silently waiting by the door for us to finish. It was a good time. They waited for like 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, they were <laughs> very <laughs> generous. Yeah, very generous. Yeah. Well, I mean, what an episode to have him on, because I'm pretty sure, Steve, congratulations, you've been running this show for 50 episodes. Woo! Very nicely done. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like 50. They've, it's been a blast. Right? It's all flown yeah. by. Um, it's good to be here. And here's to 50 more solid episodes. 50 more, <laughs> more solids than a couple. And we're calling it. A hundred's the last one. I'm not Just doing it after that. Cap it at a hundred. Pass, there you go. pass there you the reins off to like Emily or something. She can take it. Well, go. after a hundred, yeah. you got to be a higher level spell. That's mm. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would Emily call her version of the zone of truth? That's a, the next time you have her on, you can ask her. Probably burst and, uh, of radiance. Yeah. Burst she of radiance. That enough. Maybe something like worse zone of truth. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Yee, shots, shots fired, fired, Emily. Shots fired. All right, Jason. Well, let's kick it off here. First of all, we just like to set a little baseline. What's going on in your life? What have you been getting into over the last, uh, you know what? It's been a while since we've talked to you on air like this. So you could extend it to the last year and a half, but I'd encourage you just to keep it uh, to the recent (laughs) past. (laughs) So the last time I talked to you guys, uh, my family and I were just about to move to New York City. And so we, I will say we've been there for the last year and a half. Uh, But the reality is that uh, we're, in 2020, when the pandemic hit, we looked at the numbers happening in New York and said we would feel a lot safer going and hiding with our family elsewhere. So, um, and I think we were also by doing that taking some pressure off the New York uh, healthcare system by not having uh, our ourselves be a burden, potential burden there as well. So, uh, we've spent a lot of 2020 with our family. In a lot of ways, it's true. You can't go home again. Um, because, uh, it never feels the same as when you grew up there. So, Mm -hmm. uh, dynamics are a load of fun to, uh, explore under that kind of a microscope. Yeah. Good times. But now we're here. It's 2021. Uh, we're into the rhythm of doing all things online instead of going in person anywhere. And, uh, yeah, so we're just, um, we're, we're making it work. I, I feel bad for my my kid. She's in kindergarten. She hasn't met a single one of her classmates in person yet. So I would love for her to actually get to uh, have fun doing playing time with another kid somewhere. But we're not quite there yet. Nah, we'll get there eventually. But uh, yeah, we're trying to find good ways to do that otherwise. But yeah, spending a lot of time together. 
reading about and playing a whole bunch of games and that's a lot of fun and uh yeah launching some new projects so yeah that's one of the things we'll talk about today yeah for sure yeah absolutely we're really looking forward to that now um it looks to me like uh you're watching a pretty good television show right now aren't you yeah we're fans um so recently stargate sg1 came back onto netflix just and so best. we have been just the best oh amazing feel-good sci-fi that is just uh it's like it's like watching somebody run a homebrewed starfinder campaign for four of their buds who are just like you know you can't pick tons of alien races okay sure it's mostly human looking but you know the limitations of the technology at the time probably um but yeah what a great show i mean just every week pretty much everything gets buttoned up unless there's a season ending cliffhanger that they have to carry over for but even then you kind of know how it's gonna go so yeah big big fan of that show uh, eventually i'm hoping we can spend some time this month as well uh binging on the mandalorian because we haven't done that yet haven't seen a minute of it uh, on oh. TV. <laughs> i know right i yeah uh, but uh you know uh we gotta figure out how to borrow uh, disney from somebody to be able to see it so but yeah Otherwise, we're watching Black Lightning as well on Netflix. Some part of the Arrowverse of oh, yeah. uh, of uh, superhero shows. Is that Static it's, Shock? Uh, no, I think it's. Uh, I, I oh, I I should confess ignorance of not knowing who Static Shock is. Gotcha. But as far as I know, this character is just always been called black lightning now okay. if it was used to call static i don't shock, know static static they they might be completely separate characters yeah, yeah. static shock static shock was a um at least when i was growing up it was like a it was a dc i think it's dc show sure. uh and he was like a teenage superhero at the time um, but he he always used like a trash can lid and he had nice electricity power that allowed him to levitate it it was dope oh Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, it uh, explores some really uh, challenging topics. I mean, like, how do you how, how do you address systemic racism as a black superhero? Um, that's yeah. one of the things that he's grappling with. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's informative for us to watch, to think about a different way of approaching uh, social scenarios. And um, yeah, and it feels way different from the other shows like Arrow and Flash and Supergirl uh, in just in its approach. So yeah, um, we're enjoying it. We're having a great time. Nice. That too. So, yeah. I mean, all you had to say was different than Arrow and the Flash. <laughs> right. When you said Arrowverse, I'm like, I don't know oh, shit. if I'm feeling this. But yeah, yeah. That, that sounds really good. I might give that yeah. one a shot. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say give it give it the give it the five episode do, do, treatment. As, yeah. as being part of that universe, do you feel like you need to have a good understanding of those other shows or have seen them at all? Or do you think it could stand on its own well enough? No. It actually, uh, for the first couple of seasons, it stands totally on its own. Great. They make okay. one, I think they make one passing reference to Supergirl because I think she exists in the same world as them. But uh, it, I don't think it's until season three that they do a crossover episode with the other shows. So by that point, you know, if you're watching till then, you've probably seen or heard something about the other ones. And if you wanted to, when you get to that crossover, you could just watch the episodes from the other shows for that crossover. Uh, and yeah, they, they have like kind of the crossover across the shows. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, it eventually boils down to like a three hour mini series worth of episodes that you can watch. And, you know, the acting is what it is. And <laughs> it's not like it's not the Marvel superhero movies. Right. Because they don't have that budget. Right? And that's not mm -hmm. what they're working with. Um, but they're still, you know, they're creating some fun drama. And they usually have a really diverse cast of characters. So, um yeah, I've seen just about everything since then. So it's uh, 
Yeah, that's been a lot of time to invest in that TV show. Anyway. I have a good segue for a lot of time. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Go for a lot of time. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> I have just started watching One Piece. Ooh, the anime. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I am 70 episodes in, which means I am 7% through the anime. <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> that's fantastic! Uh, I'm loving it. I've, I'm absolutely loving it. The because it's it's definitely old. Like the the first seventy episodes, like it's taken me back to like OG Dragon Ball Z animation. Sure, because it it is. It's I, can't, I don't know when One Piece came out, but it's yeah, it's at least fifteen twenty years old. It's been a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, so I'm getting into that. It's had me reminiscing on our old uh, Skulls and Shackles campaign oh, yeah. because me and uh, me and Haley and our buddy John played uh, our buddy Eric ran us through the first four books of that and watching One Piece has me wanting to finish it because yeah. <laughs> we were just yeah. reminiscing about it and I was the captain in that adventure so Ooh, nice. uh, all right never want to. Uh, leave an adventure where you actually get voted captain. So, right. <laughs> uh, but aside from one piece, uh, Haley and I fully rewatched new girl. Uh, and I've been watching the Mandalorian. So I'm through season one of the Mandalorian. I'm not nice. through season two yet, but, uh, yeah, I could definitely say I like it. I like it in terms of it being like a side quest to all sure. of the, mm-hmm all of the normal star Wars lore, because I feel like I'm not getting lost as often because I'm not a huge star Wars fan. And I'm totally, I think the only thing I lose from it is like when everybody freaks out about like big, big characters, big crossover characters and stuff. Sometimes I, I lose that or I'm kind of like, Oh, I still don't know who this is, but it's someone that like people that read the books and stuff really like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, Yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's been, it's been cool. It's been nice. Yeah, that's what I was kind of worried about with the show a little bit when they when it was when it got announced and everything. I was worried it might be a little like for less of a of a more um, uh, elegant term like up its own ass with like the canon. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> where yeah you you'll be introducing all these characters that you have to have watched like six seasons of Clone Wars or know this right. very specific detail from this very specific book to understand right. how important it is. And to some extent, they do kind of do that. Um, but like, I'm just gonna put a refer like a reference on it. Like, my parents watch and love The Mandalorian. Do you think my parents yeah. watched seven seasons of Clone Wars? No, but they they watched and loved that show, and so it's working. <laughs> it's working in that way. And then yeah. for people who like like me who are absolute freaks, um, it really scratches an, an itch where you know you'll get some really cool lore backstory or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I just have one thing I wanted to plug today. Um, when I went back home for the holidays, I visited my parents and my mom wanted to watch some stand up on Netflix. And every time I watch stand up with my with my parents, it's like, uh oh, like either you're going to get like a really good, solid hour of comedy or you'll get somebody up there who just like talks about like, you know, overtly sexual stuff or stuff that's like right. very uncomfortable, which can yeah. be funny. But, you know, sometimes not when you're with like your parents um but completely randomly we threw on a special called the tennessee kid the canadian or um the comedian was nate bargatze um and he was hilarious it was really good it's like a 90 minute special um that's that's definitely clean enough where you can watch it with your parents but also (laughs) um not lame 
Well, it was still actually really funny, despite the fact that it was like clean and pretty, you know, straight across the plate. So if someone's looking for like a really good hour and a half of comedy, that's what I would suggest. Yeah, I got pulled into the, uh, is it Jeff Dunham? Uh Oh, Oh, yeah. The Dunham verse. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Of course, that's on at home. Oh, sure. Of course. (laughs) Fuck, I gotta gotta watch this like... uh, Al Qaeda skeleton or whatever his character. Yeah, I was about is. to say. I'm like, you, I'm like this stuff. I didn't watch you, his you, new, you, new you stuff. You still think Ahmed the Dead Terrorist is is very funny, right? Like that age, like milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff Dunham. So tell me, you're not using Ahmed the Dead Terrorist anymore. <laughs> God willing. God bad times. Know. Yeah. Bad times. Real, <laughs> real dark part of American history. But speaking of which, let's move on to our actual topics. Uh, <laughs> I think we're about to enter the golden age of the Paizoverse. And to kick us off, bringing everything together, is this man that we have on the stream with us today, Griffin. This guy is bringing it all together Yep. for an epic tournament. And I think people are going to be really excited about it. It's called Super Smash Finder. And Jason, do me a favor and explain to the people who may be unfamiliar with Super Smash Finder what it is. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Super Smash Finder is a Pathfinder second edition live stream and podcast that I am producing, co-producing with Vanessa Hoskins, who has a number of Paizo writing credits to her name, who is on a couple of other actual play podcasts herself as well. And this series is pitting actual play podcasting teams in four on four gladiatorial combat against each other for fame, glory, and bragging rights among their fellow podcasters. So the first season that we've created is set in the cosmopolitan desert city of Katapesh. And it's one of the largest cities of Galarian. It's home to countless markets and bazaars and fairs. And the tournament that draws our PCs there offers a substantial award, 1,000 gold pieces for each member, and placement in the Ruby Phoenix tournament that's coming up uh, as a, an adventure path that's being published by Paizo uh, about halfway through this year here. So each team is going to field four contestants at a time. Each team is playing 10th level adventurers from across the inner sea, and the matches are going to be a variety of contests, whether that's zone control, where people are trying to control different platforms for points, uh, a capture the flag version, who can get it and get it back to their back to their bunker as quickly as possible, and even just some all-out brawls that just end with whoever is standing last. That sounds great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you, you said this is a, a second edition show where people are going to be playing in the current edition of the game. Um, right. But who's all participating? It's not all just second edition podcasts, is it? No, it's not. There, As we all know, second edition, about a year and a half old now. So it's still uh, still getting its legs under it in terms of the number of crews that are actually podcasting second edition material. So we've got Pathfinder 1E podcasters, Starfinder podcasters, and a few of the second edition podcasters showing up too. Right now, around a dozen or so teams. We had a couple folks initially sign on who later looked at their schedule and said, well, this doesn't look like it's going to work out totally fine uh so yeah we're we're thrilled to have everyone including of course the hideous laughter podcast and look forward to getting the entire community to see your debut on that show as well once that comes up yeah what a debut it will be what a debut indeed 
Yeah, I, I mean, I was very upfront with you and really the entire Smash Finder community um, when we were invited to this, Jason. I, I think it's kind of a waste of time because we're clearly going to stomp this tournament. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I look forward to the stomping in action. Uh, it'll be like, um, wasn't there, I'm remembering a game where you played as little figures that you made out of Play-Doh and you moved them around the board. And one of the things was if you landed on the wrong spot, one of the other players got to grab a, like a plastic foot and smash your character with it. So yep. we're going to be moving. That, we're the proverbial plastic foot. We're going to be the yeah, proverbial we're plastic move, move the dice crisis token. Smash. Smash. Max token. Smashed. Down we're going to crush them. Southern tomfoolery. Smash. Southern oh, tomfoolery. yeah. Sorry, guys. We're knocking those. We're it's, knocking those guys out in round one. It's going to be. Truly a massacre. Truly. Truly. Dirty 30. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're talking about this tournament a little bit. I'm just curious. Why did you set it in Catapesh? This isn't on the agenda. I'm just curious. Totally fine. So Catapesh uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, as we talked about on the last uh, time I was on, uh, the Legacy of Fire Adventure Path is still the only one I've played the entirety of the way through. And it takes place in the country of Catapesh. You spend some time in the city itself. Uh, I finally utilized one of the recent uh, PDF discounts to pick up the whole Adventure Path myself so I could look at it see if I want to run it myself at some point in the future because I think it's a it's a fun story. Uh, there's a lot of awesome stuff that's happening there. Um, and we're trying to look for locations that aren't just Absalom, right, in the yeah. inner sea. Like, we could totally put it in a Colosseum that happens there. But, you know, right now, it feels like this year, everything's happening on the Isle of Cortos, where Absalom yeah. is located, <laughs> right? Doesn't, so, does, does Iblidos actually have Colosseums? Ooh. Isn't that the isn't that the ancient Greece? That analog? is a great question, and I don't know. I don't uh, know that, either, but I I, I, like I, I feel like they would yeah, if yeah. they're supposed to be the analog. Probably so. If nothing else, they would certainly have an auditorium with perfect acoustics somehow built into the side of a hill, um, but or a theater, I should say. Um, but yeah, you'd have to ask my spouse, who is the ancient Greek historian, and uh, she might have an idea. But um, sadly, I'm just some schleb over here. Yeah, that uh, that doesn't know that. But yeah, so yeah, so Katapesh is uh, the city we picked because in Katapesh, anything goes, right? Like if you can buy it, you can buy it in Katapesh, um, and that's anything. So we figured, what better city where anything can happen to have this kind of blood sport going on? Uh, so, yeah. very. Excited. Abaddon didn't even cross your mind? Abaddon crossed my mind. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> crossed my mind, but later. Unfortunately, after we had already decided yeah. on a little bit of the lore. Yeah. It's tracking yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> At that point. Yeah, if you're going had- to try and sign me on as Lopsock, I'm, I'm going to come with a big rider. There you go. Yeah. We already had scimitars in our logo at that point. So, you know, we're dealing in with that, that part of the world. So yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, that's a good point. You know, Uh, I had to slip my tournament arc in before. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, it was all just, it's all just training, right? You just gotta, (laughs) you're you're getting your team ready. You get your team ready. And Jason, well, Ketapesh may be the, the land where you can buy anything for a price and anything is possible. When I was building my character, I found out that not everything was possible. Sounds like you put some guidelines on the tournament. Want to talk to us about them? Sure, totally. So uh, in many ways, uh, characters being built are just straightforward 10th level PCs who are using the wealth by level rules. Whether they're picking a certain number of items by level and then some extra currency to mess with, or if they're just taking a big 
straight lump of cash that they can that they can spend. We wanted to both encourage a certain level of creative thinking among our players and not have things get too out of hand in the gonzo factor of who's showing up for this tournament. So we're asking players uh, to choose no more than two uncommon options for the character that they create. So things like being an orc dampier. Okay, there are your two uncommon options right there. Everything else Better has be to be a straight up fighter after that. Right, you know, okay. Uh, or a human sorcerer that's got a ring of wizardry and a writing drake animal companion. So that would be your two choices for that character. So yeah, it really um, gives everybody a chance to kind of flex some of their creative muscles to say, okay, if I can't pick everything, what uncommon options can I pick in a certain combination that might be a little more unique to my particular character uh, and how I'm going to approach engagement in this tournament? So uh, one of those things where, yeah, putting uh, putting a little bit of limitation doesn't constrain the player too much, I hope. So we've had some great conversations with folks about how they want to decide on one thing or another, and that's led to some really creative solutions uh, that they've come up with. We're also asking teams to be composed of what we're describing as one heavy, one light, one caster, and one free choice from those three options. So heavies include things like barbarians, fight fighters, champions, and rangers. Lights include alchemists, investigators, monks, rogues, swashbucklers, casters, of course, pretty much everyone else, bards, clerics, druids, oracles, sorcerers, witches, wizards. Uh, so we've got one of each of the one from each of those categories and then one free choice. And this way, one team doesn't roll in with just four barbarian juggernauts that they just everybody downs a potion of haste at the beginning and they just run forward and slam the other team as much as they possibly could mm-hmm. as hard as they can. Though, of course, a team like that's going to have a certain amount of certain, a tough time with a certain style of opponent, right? Uh, not every opposing team is going to just absorb, you know, just fall to straight damage or cause problems uh, or, or not cause problems. Um, you know, so you, do you have four fighters, four deadly sorcery sorcerers, where they just outputting a ton of area of effect damage? We just said let's let's divide this up a little bit and make the teams a bit more diverse, a bit more widely varied in what they look like. Uh, and so I think that's created some awesome party balance in a lot of ways, and it's a it's a helpful way for me to also to think about okay, if I want to go run a campaign for folks, what's a helpful way I could put up to them and be like, hey, who wants to play what? role in this party i think it's a little different obviously in a in a pathfinder second edition campaign uh you could roll into a thing with four barbarians if you wanted to and you could run a particular adventure that way especially if you're using say the free archetype uh, rule variant which is a standard for me at this point for anything that i'm running because each of your characters then is going to look totally different from the others based on what they want to make that character look like or so things like that doesn't so, make you too powerful but sure as hell gives you a lot of options yeah the versatility the best part about is it huge it's, it's so really much huge. better than i mean the, the closest you get to that is the variant multi-class in first edition right uh i think that's what the vmc stands for uh, and, so. and that kind of gets there it's it's pointed that way it's pointed right? that way like, but it doesn't that way. it doesn't make you second edition doesn't make you give it up it doesn't make you give up what your core class is to to take that with those rules, which is really cool. 
Yeah, totally. So yeah, so I, um, I I think maybe we'll explore in future seasons of the show whether that's an additional component that we can put into it. Uh, still talking about that with Vanessa, of course. So um, no commitments yet. And you know, at a certain point, we also want to make sure we put in some exhibition matches that that feature Paizo's publishing partners as well. Those who are you know we used to say more frequently, um, third-party publishers, you know, partner publishers right now is kind of more how we want to talk about it because, uh, you know, it's easy to look down your nose at third-party stuff, but at the same time, there's a lot of awesome stuff out there that we should be incorporating very true, yeah. more fully into what we're doing. So, so yeah, I, I would love to run a Smash Finder that would feature uh, even Vanessa's own creation. She converted the first edition, uh, or not converted, I should say. She built the ideas behind the first edition. Um, uh, help me out. Kineticist? Uh, oh my gosh. The kineticist. Yeah, she cre- created a complete kineticist guide. And uh, it's awesome. It's great. It's a great way to think about it. And I definitely encourage people to go check that out as an additional class that they can add to their game right now. They don't even have to wait for future classes. Yeah, it's like everybody's waiting for all the old classes to get converted, and a lot of third-party publishers have kind of done that. With a, They're with putting a the work in already. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So definitely recommend that. Sounds good, Jason. So what has happened so far with Smash Finder, and what's next? Sure. So a lot of the, the last few months has been us uh, working with teams to get their characters ready for the match. I've been auditing every character Doing the Lord's work. As it comes in. (laughs) There's a lot going on with that. One day, uh, the automated character sheet builder that I use uh, was down. And I was just kind of like, I've got three or four characters I really need to churn through here and just make sure they stack up right against everybody else. Uh, and I can't do that. And I, I did not have the brain power to, to do it by hand myself. I just said, <laughs> this is not going to work. So, yep. uh, so I put that, had to put that off for a, a little bit, but, uh, yeah, so we're helping get everybody's characters, all their teams ready to go. Because like we said earlier, for a lot of podcasts, this is going to be their first foray into second edition. Like some people haven't played a minute of second edition and they're level 10 is a hard uh, ask <laughs> level 10 is a, yeah. a big call so yeah. uh so i'm also putting together some things that uh that we can send to folks and say hey try do put together your characters and try pitting them against this you know have everybody help uh run these four npcs that you fight yourselves against uh figure those you know make them more like the bestiary monster entries and less like a full character sheet of options that you have to pick from uh and test that out first right give that a try and um the good thing about setting it in katapesh is that there are you could pick any kind of thing to pit your party against and you'd be you'd be totally fine there so there's a lot of little bits and bobs to get figured out on the character sheets. And so that's taken some time. It takes a good hour, hour and a half to audit a character sheet, but uh, yeah, we get there. Um, We've had one exhibition match so far. That was the Monday right before Christmas. And that was uh, from our friends in the failed four to save collective, the min maxed bearded dragons uh, pitted their team of, uh, of characters against team Jagare from the find the path podcast. So we had a, a strong opening uh, there on December 21st. Uh, the video for that is up on our YouTube channel, which you can go to find by going to YouTube and searching for super smash finder. Uh, you'll find us there along with an introduction to the show. Um, yeah, it's about an hour and a 45 minute, uh, a 45 minute, uh, episode, if you will, if you want to catch the whole thing, um, including interviews with the, the teams that are, uh, that are participating 
as well as some in-character interviews that happen afterwards. It was really cool to see what tactics each of the teams picked to try and go for, because at a certain sense, you can, it's like the clearest distillation of that idea, right? Like, you know, you can make all the plans you want, but once you, the rubber hits the road, you're like, those plans could go straight out the window <laughs> yeah. in about 10 seconds. It's yeah, the, you saw it, it happen. Action. You saw it happen yeah. in that first one. It's the, yeah. the classic like quote that I feel like appears in every Call of Duty that's like, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy or something. Exactly. Like, it just all exactly. goes out the window. Well, it's very yeah, difficult, yeah, yeah. too, because you guys have the different modes of play and people aren't used to, not only, you know, some folks aren't used to 2E, but people aren't used to like an area control, like, how how right. often is there a combat? You guys have had a combat like that kind of in Carrying Crown, but they're not very common where you're like, I need to protect this door and someone else needs to right. go do this. And like, that's, oh, that that's happen. like 1% yeah. of Adventure Path combats, maybe. Right. right? Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very, it's a really cool concept, but it's just different strategy than folks are used to than just beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. It uh, it reminds me a lot. I used to play uh, Tribes Ascend uh, about ten years ago or so. Now, is that the is that the are the Tribes games the mech games? Uh, close. Everybody's kind of in mechanized armor when they're okay. playing it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Mech Warriors, the other mech one. Warriors, the other um, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I could have sworn um, I owned a Tribes game back in the day that my uh, did. that my computer was not strong enough to play. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember when the first one came out, I looked at the details and was like, you get to play on what is legitimately an eight kilometer by eight kilometer map. Like if you walked from one end to the other, that's how long the map is. Oh, wow. There's, there is no way my computer could run that. Absolutely. Now, now it could. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, there are some, definitely some parallels to thinking about it in those terms. So of course it's, uh, you know, turn-based instead of active. So the tactics get a little different there, but yeah, I think one of the nice things about it is that, like you said, it's a fun idea. And I think it could even spark for some GMs, this idea of like, okay, do all of my combats just have to be one team trying to smash the crap out of another one until they're dead? Or uh, is there a way to incentivize my players in a particular way by saying, hey, your rewards are greater if you defend this spot or if you repel from this spot rather than this other thing. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, Vanessa came up with the map. We used uh, Map Creator to make it real uh, so that everyone can see what's going on there. We put in some additional hazards that, uh, you know, uh, play into it as well, like a a whole bunch of spikes. A lot of spikes, guys. A like, lot of spikes. Really, just and, a whole ton of spikes. Yeah. And with a plus 25 to hit when you land on them, those spikes are <laughs> they hit. having a decent chance of uh, of critting you when you when you land on them. So uh, it's a, um, yeah, makes the game a lot more exciting and also highlights that maybe not every strategy is about swinging your greatsword as hard as you can so much as it is about figuring out how to reposition your opponent, right? Like, mm-hmm. do I want to do fireball right now or would I be much better served by launching a hydraulic blast, a hydraulic push to try and see if I can knock a gravity well of sorts. A gravity well, you might say, yes, which <laughs> came into play twice in that match. And holy crap, did that change things up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, so uh, what that's kind of like logistically what's happened so far mm-hmm. for Smash Finder. But uh, personally, what's happened is that I am having a blast Good. getting to connect all of these different folks from the Paizoverse and get them to talk to each other. You know, uh, Griff, you and I've talked about this a bunch and you've mentioned it on our last interview as well. Uh, rising tides lift all ships. Yep, and I don't absolutely. think the, I don't think 
that anything has been more emblematic of that than the communities that we're creating with the Paizoverse of podcasters and streamers who are out there telling their stories because they love storytelling. And when you love storytelling, you love other storytellers because they're going to create awesome things for you to interact with, for your own community to interact with as well. So there's, uh, there's so much out there. Uh, and it's just been, it's been a blast to get to see folks talk to each other and get to meet each other and interact and uh, hear about projects and talk about possible non-Smash Finder crossovers that they want to create as well. So that's well, just- yeah, you uh, just had one, didn't you? You were just on one. I, I was, yeah, yeah. This past Saturday night, I got to play with uh, Waffles Maple Syrup and with Goblets and Gaze and with Jake, the GM from uh, Dragon Punch Squad, as we took a, what was supposed to be a one-hour Pathfinder Society quest. I mean, that's like the listed time is you show up at a con, you ask a couple of questions, and then you fight somebody. Right. That's about it, right? Uh, we managed to make that last four hours, a four-hour stream on this, based off of this one quest from Luis Loza. It was uh, going to be oh, a hell of a quest when I showed up about 45 minutes late oh, and you guys man. weren't into it yet. <laughs> we, had barely gone, we had barely gone anywhere. So, But I think you know, pointing to something like that is a great way to say, what are the other ways that we can create uh, crossover events that are different from Smash Finder, that are about storytelling, engaging with the lore of Galarian, and uh, featuring and showcasing the podcasting talent that's out there. Um, so I think that uh, expect more of those in the future, whether that's me or somebody else running it. I just want to help publicize that they're happening and engage with them whenever I can. So I'm glad that they're I'm I'm so glad that this is uh, that this is coming together. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned picking up on the, the older stuff on the YouTube uh, channel, but also, you know, follow you guys on twitch.tv slash super smash finder to get yes, all please. the latest uh, smash finder stuff. Um, before we move on to our next topic for tonight, we did have one listener question that was about sure. Smash Finder. This comes from Tilda, good fan of the show. We love her. Yeah. Um, and this is a question for you specifically, Jason. Yep. Is it difficult to coordinate communication between people for Smash Finder? How is so, it to schedule things? Yeah. Uh, yeah I yeah. imagine the answer to that it is pretty difficult. It's tricky. For me, scheduling isn't so much of a problem. I'm a stay at home dad, we're in a pandemic. I can't go anywhere, right? Like I can't really uh -huh. do anything unless it's just hanging out with my family and saying, okay, this is a family night, right? And my regular weekly group has been super understanding about saying, hey, if a Smash Finder match comes up on Wednesdays, do it, right? Like make it happen. Yeah. We'll switch to a different day of the week. Um, it's it's all the other nine people who are going to be on the screen uh, that's going to happen. So like for the first match that we put together, I think I set out like 20 options for timeframes <laughs> that everyone could respond to. And there was one, one time slot that worked for every participant. So we jumped on it as soon as we could and, and made it work. So it takes a little bit of planning ahead. Um, and so there are some teams that are only available on certain days, right? Like their day jobs or their night jobs or whatever it is that they're doing for work or recording. It's or tough anything. Cause you have groups that like record and release on different schedules too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we, we sync up really well with our friends at Southern town foolery because they do Thursday recording as well. Yep. And so everything that we, you know, we, I mean, God, we do so much crossover stuff with them already. Right. <laughs> like, track yeah, yeah. You know, we, we yeah. do Monday nights with them. Like I do the GM happy hours on Tuesday nights and like that kind of thing. But like, it all starts from the fact that we record on the same night, our separate yeah. shows. So that doesn't yeah. eliminate two nights of the week, which makes yeah. it a lot easier. I can see how it's, yeah. I mean, especially yeah. if you have, I don't know if you guys are 
doing any on weekends, but especially if you have groups that like do the bulk of their recording on like a Sunday, cause Sunday right. is generally a day where it's like, well, nobody's a lot of people's day job takes off on a Sunday. Yeah. So maybe we yeah. can get a midday Sunday thing, let's, but then you have the group that records care. on Sundays and yeah, yeah, we definitely have some groups that uh, we're looking at. Like we've got a couple of groups from the UK that are participating, oh, like the Danger too. Club, right? So mm, we're, yeah. you know, we can't record a night session with them. That'd be three in the morning uh, for them. They just I mean, <laughs> now those guys actually those guys might be able to those guys them. specifically yeah, yeah. might be able to those do guys that. specifically. Yeah. I'm a little yeah. familiar with them. I feel like they would. Do I feel that. like they would do that. Yeah. I and I have to say, if when their team concept gets out there more publicly for folks to find out, I am so excited to watch their match because it's just going to be just going to be hilarious. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, like so we're going to have to do some Saturday afternoon matches so that we can you know six you know, two o'clock in the afternoon for me is eight o'clock at night for them, right? And so okay, can you guys? give up your saturday night to do this live stream with us awesome great let's make that happen so so yeah uh so rather than picturing smash finder smash finder as having a really set schedule uh think of it more of like a, a pay-per-view special match that you're figuring except you don't have to pay for i it. like so that analogy yeah even better right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so hey this week it's not uh it's not tyson versus whoever you know it's uh it's it's hideous laughter versus Who's it going to be, right? Is it going to be Roll for Combat? Is it going to be uh, Southern Tomfoolery? Are you going to have to face down the Dice Crisis and whatever it is that they're bringing? So um, these, when we get more of these uh, matches lined up and out there in the public, uh, the battles are going to be awesome and phenomenal to watch. I know, how to, get- I know how to beat the Dice Crisis already. We just got to oh. get Allard drinking uh, his go. decanter of whiskey. <laughs> Game Done. over, man. It's, it's what does it for GM Happy Hour. It's what will do it for... Uh, Smash Finder. But speaking of uh, team reveals. Yes. Oh, I guess I guess we have created Thanks. a team that we probably should reveal. I would love to hear more about your team, even though I know almost everything about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, at the HLP, we have, a, we have a certain soft spot for drinking. So we are coming in as the hideous laughter adamantine tankards. Rolls off the tongue. You know. And HLP, T-A-T. That's right. There you go. Uh, Steve, what character are you, what, uh, what, what's your character concept here? So today for this stream with Jason, I wore a, very, uh, a shirt that's very special to me. This is my Malort yeah. shirt. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's this really trashy shirt that I asked for Christmas. It's a, it's a hand-drawn bottle of Malort with a Chicago-style slice of pizza, hot dog, nice. and then a Chicago flag on there. Oh, um, amazing. And that is because the character that I am bringing to the Adamantine Tankard's name is Craig Malortimer, uh, and he's a dwarven cleric of Caden Kalian. He's the heel so, bot, and that's actually just my job. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, keeping what, people standing. What I, what I'll say though is that um, I have the I can't remember the exact name of the feat, but it's the dangerous medicine where you slash somebody. Oh, the risky, oh, medicine. risky medicine. <laughs> risky medicine. Risky sur- Risky surgery. Risky surgery. Yeah, there yeah, you surgery. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just going to be splashing booze on people's wounds. <laughs> no. You'll be fine. Just drink a shot of Malort and you'll you'll not worry about that pain at all. Yeah. It yeah, caused yeah. it caused you to cough, <laughs> splitting your wound further, dealing what you for extra damage. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. Um Griff, I know you're also bringing a character to this. You're playing, man. You're not yeah, GMing. I'm, I'm playing um yeah. and for mine, uh, since Jason is running this, I'm bringing a character that he has already run uh, for me. 
So it's my character in the Lunch Hour Heroes run of Troubles Under Otari, the Beginner's Box adventure. Uh, Norbert Sedscale. Okay. (laughs) He is a kobold monk with the rogue dedication. Kobold, my uh, my recent favorite ancestry. Yep, yeah, oh, great. great. You know, once you hop on the kobold train, it's hard to hop off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I'm I'm very excited. I played this character levels one and two, and have since scaled them to ten. Yep. And I at level five, I really realized what the character was made to do. Yeah. With the rogue dedication, because um, kobold is the only ancestry that gets a special little thing, which is a ranged faint and so as a you're just just copying my build from carnival yeah exactly as a as a a, well that's why i talked to you about it because i was like wait that's in the bushwhacker archetype because that's That's literally in 2e a kobold specific feat that's so funny Um, yeah and uh (laughs) and so with the rogue dedication and he's taking the monastic archer stance he's going to be a ranged sneak attack dealer Nice. That's so, excellent. Yeah, it's very, uh, very fun concept. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. You know what? I know these two characters are probably going to carry the team, um, but we do have a bench to build out too. So, yeah, we do. Um, just real quick, you want to introduce uh, your fiancés? Yes, here. I will. Haley is playing Minerva Blatt, uh, the human barbarian. I think she based this off of, I think Minerva Blatt is a real person. She was okay. a strong woman. Uh, in like the 1930s or something. Yeah, I, I don't have her uh, Wikipedia up, and Haley would be able to talk more about it. But um, we had our uh, our great friend Alex uh, draw these characters for the yeah. uh, for our tokens on Roll Twenty, oh, and awesome. he drew her, and and she does look she's kind so of good. she looks kind of just like the uh, the woman uh, she's based off of in real life. I think Haley sent Alex a picture. That's fantastic. Um, also joining the team, we have Emily of HLP fame. She is playing a character called Landrin, a gnome wizard. And we also have our buddy Chris, who's playing a half-orc champion called Groknor. So we're going to have somebody sit in the bench every episode because it's a four-person team. But I, I'm... I believe very heavily in this in this squad. Chris is starting I, to feature real heavily in these HLP things. Big mistake. Showing up a <laughs> lot. Yeah. I sidebar about Groknor during the auditing process, both Chris and I used Hero Lab online to try and build him. And neither of us, whatever combination of stuff it was, neither of us could successfully export a PDF of his character sheet. Yeah, so this I, is so like I a got, five day long drama. I actually got a response from uh Lone Wolf. Oh, Apparently okay. it's I mean they literally gave me the response of you should try building it step by step and printing it. Apparently they have one or two feats that is causing an incompatibility with the export. Wow. Okay. And he said they've well, had the problem go. like one time before. So I have to think it's like, <laughs> I have to think it's like the, the tyrant, uh, yes. <laughs> the tyrant champion, because that can't be very common. So that was, uh, that was some fun to figure out an additional layer of like, Oh god, to the headache of uh, of yeah, auditing characters, yeah. but uh, but here we are. Yeah, so I'm I'm thrilled to see the adamantine tankers. I'm thrilled that they are announced and out there, and really looking forward to uh, to their debut on the uh, on the well, thank putting you. their bl- putting their blood on the sand, as it were. Keep those maybe, keep maybe those not. ears and eyes peeled because yeah. we're going to be playing soon. Get ready okay. to watch me run 150 feet in a turn. 
There you go. There you go. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> after the, after watching the first exhibition, I was like, "Thank God, <laughs> gave myself some speed, some real speed." Yeah, I should rename yeah, yeah, yeah. my character Sonic. Cool. Sonic. Yeah, exactly. And now that yep. the intro part of our show is done, I'm gonna start playing some Sirenscape. This is the uh, banquet music from uh, Vire Banquet. So uh, that was a, it. Is. Yeah, you went. You went 48 minutes. Uh, forgetting that. Well, we, we needed to get introductions out of the way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very Don't worry, robust I'll figure this out in post. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I realized halfway through our talk about Smash Fighter, and then I was like, uh, it'll be funnier just to wait. Well, speaking of uh, music and Smash Finder, I want to thank David from the MinMax podcast for composing a banger of a theme for us. I kid you not, the first time I heard it, uh, I was like, okay, yeah, this is this is pretty great. And then I did a little quick edit thing where I uh, put the just a black screen with the words coming soon and then the Smash Finder logo mm-hmm. coming up when the music really dialed it up a notch. And I was like, okay, now I've got chills, right? Like, uh, <laughs> watching this and now I'm, oh, okay, I am thrilled. So it is a, it is a great theme. I'm super grateful to him for for putting that together for us and honest to god the guy did it in like a weekend not Dude, even i'm sure it probably we have heard like stories yeah. about david over there doing just yeah. like crazy shit musically yeah I, yeah, think, yeah i think he's one to check i mean he's done he did our gm happy hour theme nice he's yep. done obviously all the mid max uh theme stuff as as well as i think a couple of their backing tracks yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, it's great. Turns out he and I have mutual friends in Minnesota, which uh, I didn't know, but uh, until very recently. You but did it. Go there, We did it, right? Yeah, Small I think all the I, all the Minnesota people need to just be friends on Facebook just to see oh. how many people yeah. they all overlap with. It's see like, how that web is. It's like Brooks, yeah. Emily, the entire Dice Crisis, all of Min Max. Uh, yeah, we had someone join the Discord the other day that was like, hey, I started you because I heard you guys were Paizo Official now. Love hams. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, there you go. I'm from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. We were like, oh, so are 80% of our friends, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or have lived there. It's a great state. Yeah, I lived in St. Paul for a couple of years. I went to school down in uh, down uh, a little bit south of the city. You don't want to uh, hear Steve's college. take on St. Paul. Oh, we'll save, well, we'll, we'll save this for after we're done recording. Okay. After, after recording. There you go. I, I, I yeah, cannot yeah. be heard recorded. Uh, not be recorded talking about St. Paul. I don't know if you could be sober talking about St. Paul. Definitely That's can't. <laughs> well, we're, we're on our way there anyway. So uh, that outside of sobriety, that is. So, yeah. Fair enough. Um, Jason, you are one of the two e-experts I know. You also have an interest in this the Serpent Skull Adventure Path. You are combining yeah. those two loves into a 2E off-pod run of Serpent Skull with some of your friends. I Can sure you tell am. us about that a little bit? Because um, yeah. 2E is, is the future, man. And yeah, conversions are huge. I, I think so, right? So um, I've owned this adventure path for, you know, since it came out and uh, almost a decade ago now, over a decade ago now, I guess. Like I really bought into this idea of a, uh, a jungle adventure where anything is possible in terms from the player perspective, right? Like sure. you can approach this, uh, you can approach this adventure path from any alignment uh, and and run it and make it your own however you want. So there's some some fantastic flexibility there. And one of the best book one 
opening adventures that I've seen it, that runs as a module on. I have heard so much good about it, and I have not it's read it. I know Steve has. Really? And I'm literally just holding out. It's, <laughs> it's gonna happen. I don't know when, but it's gonna happen. We're playing Serpent Skull at some point. It's really good. Even if you just, if it can only make it through book one, awesome. Like it's 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 a self-contained thing on its own. That even if you didn't want to do the rest of the whole adventure path, you could launch into almost anything else uh, from there based on the 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 conceit of that story. I've heard one of the great swaps is because this is highly regarded as the weakest book in the Skulls and Shackles module is oh, or the, okay. the Skulls and Shackles adventure path is swapping book one for book one. I could see. That. I've heard that as well. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't want to yeah. fucking I don't want to die and... from rum that does con damage. Yeah. Die from rum poisoning. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be whipped and what, keel hauled. What I'd rather do is play this really cool shipwreck adventure. That's I, way better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just turn it around where at the end of book one, you get picked up by pirates from the shackles instead of sent on an adventure into the depths of the Mwangi Expanse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, why die from rum poisoning in game? I could do that in real life, right? We, we did could, that when right. we played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? So, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, we. Uh, I think, um, so yeah, uh, converting Serpent Skull. So we played the whole first book in, with the first edition rules, right? Um, we uh, we started that in the in like January of 2019. Played it uh, through through the first book throughout that year, uh, and then I approached my players, and we had started book two just like a couple of sessions. I think maybe the very first session we'd started in first edition. And I said, how would you all feel about me converting this to second edition uh, to run this? Because I don't want to, like, if your expectations are that we're going to do a first edition adventure, awesome. Let's do it. I'm still totally on board with that and we can run it. Um, but I am I want to open this opportunity uh, to to you because we had just played through the fall of Plaguestone, uh, which is, which we'll get to maybe in a minute again as well. Uh, but we had, we had a great time running that. And they said, yeah, you've, we've got this other GM in our group that's running Curse of the Crimson Throne. Like, we'll each do six weeks of our respective adventures. Uh, so we've still got a 1E connection. We could probably pick up a 1E game just about any time. But yeah, let's let's see what we can do. And at first, it was a little tricky because the Advanced Player's Guide hadn't come out yet. So one of our players was a Ratfolk occultist in first edition. And so it was like, oh, the occultist just isn't there like you can kind of kit box it smash it together from what we had I'm but uh, object reading as a first level occult spell right yeah you yeah give, yeah. To, so give that to them as an innate spell that might help yeah so i talked to him and initially i was like why why don't we make your character a bard right so he's still got a cult spell casting he can do all these other things he said i'm actually going to try out alchemist for a while first so let me do that then once the apg came out i went to my characters and said okay here's what we're going to do uh, all these new archetypes are out. We're going to go for the free archetype rule. Pick one up, run it on your characters. Awesome. Have fun with that. Uh, Rat Folk are in there now. Isoki are officially part of this. Tengu are part of this. We had a Tengu character as well. So let's, you know, you got, we don't have to like homebrew something around that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, even, even easier. Um, and so my uh, occultist turned alchemist is now an investigator. And he has uh, gone that route and is finding that, you know, even though he took the alchemist uh, dedication for it, like a lot of the similar themes to the occultist 
character class from first edition are able to be played out in that medium as well. So they're they're having a great time uh, running that uh, character uh, who they've based around the personality of Christopher Walken as their inspiration for voice yeah, and excellent. things. I think I posted a, a bit of him talking on the Discord at one point and it was just, <laughs> it was stunning. Like it's just, it cracks us up every time he's talking. So other reasons for converting, uh, Serpent Skulls, it's already an adventure path that needs a little massaging in some of the later books to be very generous about uh, about the adventure path. Uh, so this way I get the joy of, of doing that, a uh, little bit of uh, adapting of what needs to happen, AKA pulling its guts out and putting them back in again in a different format like Frankenstein, uh, and then unleashing that in my players. So too, I can also, I can rescale the campaign this way to go from first all the way up to 20th level if I want to, which is a lot of fun. And I can give my players the chance to play with those capstone abilities for their classes. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to uh, to making that possible for this crew yeah as, as someone who's read through the campaign i would like to pick your brain off air sometime about sure how um how you do the big finale and i think you know what i'm talking about i do at 20th yeah. level yeah yeah, okay. yeah. i it, think we'll talk yeah, okay we'll talk we'll talk I, i've i've you know we're so far from it right now that right i know I you're in book in two place, and everything probably haven't thought yeah, about it not a ton not, but not a whole lot but yeah i've got some I ideas do, i like the way it ends a lot in first edition yes. and i'm curious to how you would pull it off yeah 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 i i can't wait to get there yeah mm -hmm. jason how far ahead are you converting you know, so we just finished a six-week run this past Wednesday night with, with a fight that probably, like, if you run it as what's in the book, it's just like another speed bump on mm. the road. Uh, except uh, as I converted it and ran it on Wednesday night, the speed bump nearly killed three of my, <laughs> nearly <laughs> killed three of my PCs. So oh, no. uh, I got I got really close to taking out the Tengu Rogue, but then uh, both the Oracle and the Cleric came up with healing and, you know, my innervation didn't exactly go to waste, but I got him to dying three for a minute. Uh, and, uh, and then they, yeah, they could not shake off that persistent negative damage, and it was beautiful. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a rough combat for them. And I think you know, up until this point, my I'll be honest, like you called me an expert in second edition. I I I enjoy the system a lot, but I am definitely not an expert on this. Uh, and my forays so far into doing adventure conversion have been like, all right, I'm going to test this idea out. How did that work? Okay, they stomped it. Great, good to know, right? Like mm -hmm. I need to dial things up because it's also a party of six PCs and not four, so the balance gets a little yeah, tricky. Yeah, it becomes there. tricky. That's all. Yeah. yeah, that's already you're a deviation from the printed word because adventure paths are basically written for four so you're already yeah. up and stuff up and then you need to convert it right yeah, yeah yeah like a solo boss is uh so much better against a four player party than it is against a six player party it's just it 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 their the lack of action economy on the part of the boss is mitigated by their damage output mm -hmm. um and if you've got too many characters acting against that one person, they might get two rounds in, maybe three, but you know, um, yeah. So uh, I'm finding that adding in a ton more, a ton more stuff where I'm just uh, adding a lot more, not not specific, not like a fourth edition mini uh, minions necessarily, where they've you know one hit in their toast. Um, but putting in a lot more minions can really create some interesting dynamics. And I'm getting to play, you know, it's a jungle, right? Like I can do any geography I want almost in this place. So I get to I get to play with that a lot more too. Like how many trees are in the way? Are there cliffs that are on the side of this river? What happens if there's a herd of hippopotami nearby? And you know, what, how does that affect the 
uh, battle dynamics. So um, converting, you know, I'm already doing some work to make some changes to the adventure path as it is. Why not do the full conversion and um, make it something that's going to be more tailored to the party that I'm leading through this adventure as it is. Uh, and just, you know, I can skip the encounters I don't want to. I can turn those things into skill challenges if I want, instead of saying, okay, now you have to fight these uh, fey creatures that have suddenly shown up in the jungle because it happens to be thin at this point. Okay, uh, of, uh, you know, the barriers between worlds are thin here. Here's mm -hmm. these fey creatures you fight. You're on okay. a ley line, son. Yeah, exactly. You're on a ley line, but then, you know, you're going to pass over that ley line and you'll never see these creatures again. Is that worth engaging in, right? Like, or, um, yeah, how many times do you have them fight warriors from the city-state of Mzali that is in southern Mwangi Expanse, where there's an undead child god that leads the city and he's got a, a really big agenda to destroy all outsiders and have no Mwangi polluted by their influence? All right some but that's not the goal of the adventure path that's going to come up probably i imagine in strength of thousands when that comes out this fall which i am super looking forward to. i was just about to say jason it's probably in your best interest just to delay of game this until that new milwaukee text <laughs> comes Milwaukee out book. <laughs> to really flush everything out yeah i was thinking about it i was thinking about it i could almost just like uh i could just storyboard them through the rest of serpent skull and then just be like and now you're level one again and we're playing strength of thousands and now yeah, you're professors <laughs> and now yeah Exactly. <laughs> and now you're teaching at this magical college. Like, back in my day, we had to fight off diseases. In the I am a level 20 barbarian, so I am uh, yes. <laughs> also learning level one sorcery. I'm a level, I'm a level 20 rogue with the, uh, with the, um, oh God, Rend Mantis assassin archetype, uh, because I come from Medio-Galti and I was a crow's nest Tengu on their ship. And uh, here we go. So yeah, the rest of the party's having to wrestle with that as well, which is interesting. Like we have an assassin on our team, like a legit, not just like, the, yeah. I mean, how do we, how do we deal with that? Uh, how do we cope with that? Um, and for the most part, that Tengu has been super helpful to the rest of the party because that's who their player is, right? But uh, at what point, um, yeah, the Red Mantis assassin faction, favors heavily or is heavily tied into the flavor of the serpent skull adventure path mm -hmm. what happens when they start being like you need to start showing up for us or we're gonna take either if not if we don't just outright take you out we might strip you of all of your powers and your abilities that you that you're drawing upon for this so um that's something that uh my players are listening spoiler alert that might happen at some point <laughs> well that, i mean that's that's the fun of having to kind of as you put gut an adventure is that yeah. you can really tailor it then. Yeah. yeah. And I won't say I've had to like gut carrying crown as much as you probably have to do for serpent skull, but the tailoring bit kind of lets you, I think, Hey, I'm going to tailor it this way. And so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to skip this fey encounter. I'm going to skip the, I'm going to skip the 10 werewolf fights that we were supposed to have. Right. right. You know, it's, yeah. it, it as you would do with anything, with any pre-written adventure, as, yeah. as far as Tim Hitchcock is concerned, sure. <laughs> Book two, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're you're doing with yep. um, you're doing with a two E conversion anyway. So, yeah. just as a uh, a dabbler, how yeah. are you handling the? Um, you mentioned like a skill challenge. How are you? How are you handling the skill conversion? The skill check conversions, book to book, sure. and the. Uh, the loot because honestly yeah. I'm, I think the thing I'm most hyped for in 2E is like 
the the Starfinder equivalent, I'll call it, is the armory. I want yep. the, I want the big book of loot. Yeah, the yeah, cool yeah. shit that I can divvy out, and we haven't gotten yeah. that yet, the really. one e ultimate equipment. Yeah, ultimate. Yeah, equipment. yeah. So this actually um, one of the things I did uh, before. So we just finished this six weeks. The previous six week session at the start of that one, I said. I'd like to try out the um, automatic bonus progression rules because oh, nice. uh, I don't want to. Like, I was, I was realizing that I was spending so much time getting in the nitty gritty of like, okay, how is giving the party this item versus this item going to balance out well for who can do what, and how is this going to create tensions if everybody's doing roll offs all the time for these different things, and how are we going to do that? So I said, all right. We're going to do automatic bonus progression instead, which by their level seven now, they basically, everybody's doing, everybody's got plus one striking weapons. Everybody's got two plus one bonuses to their skills. Uh, everybody's got a plus one bonus to their armor class. Um, and uh, there's something else in there as well that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Seven um, resistance bonus yet, or is that later? Uh, that's coming later, yeah, I think. Yeah, later. the AC resistance bonus is coming up later. Um I think that's eighth or actually that's probably eighth because plus one, um, uh, plus one uh, resilient is an eighth resilient level armor item. is an eighth level item. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we did that. Um, the tricky is that I feel like the trade-off there is that there's no flavor to the gear that they've got. So on a on a on a crew that's like yeah flavor gear take it or leave it right. Like I don't care if we've got a demon mask or a a diplomat's badge, right? Like either way, it's going to give somebody a bonus here. Um, so how do we, uh, how do we, how do we do that? Um, but I think my crew, it it wouldn't hurt to add a little bit more of that back in. So if there are like quest items, of course, yeah, we're going to include yeah. those and we're going to keep those as part of it. Um, but uh, I also gave them relics as part of a quest that they did within the story. So that's a whole nother game mastery guide. Subtopic. Yeah, <laughs> you're to really bringing well. it all in from the. So I'm just guide. playing, playing with the whole sandbox here uh, of trying things out. Um, if we didn't have really competent healers, I'd totally go for the. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd go for the stamina rules as well. Yeah, but they've got a cleric and an oracle, and uh, I think another person that can also cast heals. So it's it basically comes out in the wash at that point. They'd have to rebuild around stamina um the ultimate equipment guide or whatever that they it is that they call it for second edition that's going to be fantastic right like i'm really looking forward to that book coming out because i think it's going to make it even easier to be like okay this is how i spread treasure out over the course of an entire adventure path with things that are unique and that are not going to overlap too much with what the party might already grab from early in the adventure and i find when i when i rewrite yeah. anything mm-hmm. I need to have, like, I always have my party in mind. And so I always give them, like, the optimal loot. Right. And that's what automatic bonus progression kind of is. Yeah. But it's not like, hey, I gave you this, like, crazy-ass top hat thing from Lofko. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, like, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> so I think, I, I feel like that would work as long as you had the, the flavor behind the items that really tailors it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like at one point, um, or say for example, at one point in the adventure, uh, there's supposed to be an adamantine short sword that they come across, or a, a machete, an, anti- an adamantine machete. What, what a perfectly flavored item for this adventure path, right? Yes. Um, but that that item is like a 
what, 11th, 13th level item. And they're level <laughs> five or six when they find it. So I'm like, yeah. all right, you find this sword while you're on this race across the Mwangi, but it doesn't have a handle. And you don't have a smith that's capable of putting a handle together for you right now. Maybe you can put it to use in the future, but for right now, it's there. It's strapped to your back. You are ready to use it when the opportunity comes along. You're just not quite there yet. So that's clever. Um, yeah. So I, like I think that. there there are ways you can take uh, unique treasure that's within the adventure path as it's already written and give them the second edition version. And if they're not quite quote unquote ready for it from a game balance perspective yet okay no big deal right like against most enemies adamantine is not going to make any difference uh, at all because they're just you're going to cut them down either way um but uh, this way you know you've got something to to look forward to uh, some expectation that you can build around yeah i mean just talk to my party they got some adamantine at level two right yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the full to figure out. Yeah, they didn't figure it out. They, it. they didn't figure it out that I like had included that so they could kill those animated objects. Right? Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I was Just like, put it together. these things ah. are bad. Like, they have hardness and like, <laughs> fuck that. Like, here's an yeah. adamantine tankard so you could be dealing some damage, but it's yeah. going to be like an improvised weapon so you're not going to be dealing a ton of damage. Yeah. And... Boy, yeah. that was just used for doors for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why do that when you could just spam disrupt undead? D- yeah, you could yeah. use disrupt undead on it. So I guess that was helpful. Every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. It was I, a good was, 20 or 30 episodes. It really was. Hey, hey it's been a great 100 plus episodes, oh. guys. You've still been doing a great job. So yeah. Thanks. So uh, yeah, the last, the last thing I'll say about conversion, if anyone's thinking about doing that for their own campaigns, uh, one... Uh, pf2.tools is a website that's out there that offers some really solid resources for making it a whole lot easier to just lay out your information in a way that's easy to read. So it's not just Google Doc after Google Doc of you trying to remember how you did things the last time, Mm -hmm. especially if you're like me and you're like, okay, I'm going to work on this a whole bunch this week. And then it's like three weeks before you get back to it again, um, being able to have everything look similarly. Um, Archives of Nethys, obviously great resource uh, partner with Paizo as well. At one point, I was trying to think something about like how much more time does it make, does it take to do a converted episode or session of first edition Pathfinder in second edition? And I think it takes me about twenty five percent more prep time than I had to do for those those first sessions. So it's just that's not as much as I would have thought. That's not bad. Yeah, because for the most part, you can look at the bestiary and be like, okay, this thing does all the attacks and damage and special things that I want at this level. All I have to do is give it a a top hat and a funny mustache, and it looks like the creature that I want it to actually represent uh, in the game. Uh, And maybe I have to port over an ability or something like that. It's really not that bad. Okay, if there's a spellcaster in the mix, yeah, that might bump up to like 50%, because now like there's entire spells that are just gone from from first edition that are not in second edition at all. So um, I would say for the most part, as far as the mechanics go and the gameplay goes, my players are enjoying this exploration of second edition. Um, this uh, this brutal fight that we had this past Wednesday was, uh, you know, it was one that they barely came out of, but they had a ton of fun with it because the tension was actually high. Uh, and one of the players uh, afterwards uh, just was like, you know, if I had to introduce somebody to Pathfinder now in the future, I'd pick second edition because it it addresses some of the concerns I had about first edition. And that's not me saying like, you have to give up first edition for second edition. I'm glad you're still playing first edition. That's awesome. We have lively conversations about this on the Discord all the yeah, time. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes lively is a very generous word for it. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
but yeah, I think um, especially with a resource like the beginner box uh, that's out, that's a great intro adventure. Uh, and it, uh, you know, like like everything that's coming out these days, it uh, also you know it's forcing us to think about how we understand the concept of opponents and monsters and who's doing what for what reason. Because you know, Griff, you were playing when we did this for Lunch Hour Heroes. We uh, you were playing a kobold, and uh, there are oh, let's just say for. To not spoil it too much, kobolds are present in the beginner. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew right? going like, into that adventure as a kobold might be problematic? Right? Yeah. Am I going to face some ethical dilemmas with having to butcher a whole bunch of my people or not? But uh, yeah, like how do we how do we think about those things? So the the beginner box was a, a blast of an adventure to run. I I have had completely different experiences running it two different times. Uh, now I haven't finished it the second time yet, uh, but like. The very first encounter for Lunch Hour Heroes that was just, you blasted right through it, no problem, and we went on with the rest of the adventure. It nearly killed the other party that I was playing with. and I, I they thought, weren't working with Monk City, baby. I, they weren't, yeah. Our Lunch Hour Heroes group was like six monks to begin with, basically. Uh, well, maybe not that many, but, you know. Anyway, I, I feel like was, that's, that's kind of the general consensus that I've heard from people who have played the exact same adventures in 2E. It was like, wow, that was a, wow, that comet was a breeze. Wow, it TPK'd us. Wow, that combat was a breeze. Wow, it like killed three of our party members. Like it, yeah. it feels like a little swingy in that way. Yeah. Where like just depending on what you're bringing into the fight and how yeah. knowledgeable you are about the system really changes things. Something you I would can't say really cruise. Something I would say that I regret about Plague Stone being kind of outside of any um any society scenarios or anything like the first 2E I ran. Yeah was that because I was running that for a six person party, I I looked at like the uh the elite monster mechanic the same way I would look at the advanced template in first edition, which was like, hey, in first edition, you got a six person party, you want to use the same monsters, you better use the advanced template yeah. on those things or they're just gonna be gone. Mm -hmm. And yeah. in two E, uh applying the advanced template to um I'll use an example like those those uh, spinning bushes of death that oh, uh, didn't like those. applying the advanced <laughs> template to that just like killed the part. I mean, it, yeah. it would have been a TPK if folks didn't do a bunch of fire damage to the things. Yeah. But like, I wouldn't have known that going into it. And right. and the fact that the fact that the bonus that like an elite template confers also can it has the implication of it now creating a monster that is uh 10% more likely to crit and also like 10% more likely to save against anything that gets thrown at it yep. is uh, is vastly different than it was in first edition huge absolutely huge yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you it's it is funny to just like because they have the same name it's easy to look at it and think my ideas from first edition are going to apply. Like I can think about this a similar yeah. way and you really can't it. You got to approach it as a brand new game because the math is completely different from the ground up. And when it says elite, yeah, it means, <laughs> it means elite. That. It means yeah. it's going to wreck your day when you show up and encounter this thing. Yeah. All right. I think it's about time to move into the listener question segment. What do you guys think? I think so. You can tackle a couple. The first one comes from Lord Deathquake. Uh, depending on the time of recording, what classes are you hoping are in the upcoming playtest? Or if they have been revealed, what do you think of the choices? Are there any niches or classes you think 2E is missing still? If you could pick one class to add to 2E, either from 1E or completely new, what would it be? There is a lot to unpack in here, but 
what I will say right now is the playtest has not dropped yet. It will be a day after this comes out. So this, this the answer to this question is going Wild to be speculation for tomorrow. Relevant for a full 24 hours. But I do think there's a lot of really uh, interesting stuff in here. Like, what does Tui not have that we'd like to see in it? Or does it have sure. everything we want to see? Jason, I'd love to hear what you what your thoughts are for this upcoming playtest. Sure. So I have uh I have two thoughts. I'm with uh the majority of I think the HLP Discord when I say we want the Inquisitor. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. both because of our deep love for Matumbe, but also yes, thank you. because that's answer. we recognize that there is space there uh, in the in the system for it, right? Like you can kit bash together an Inquisitor by picking, you know, Ranger Sorcerer or Champion Cleric or Investigator Oracle or something like that, right? But uh, but I think there's room there for the Investigator uh, to to come back. Um, something that we we haven't seen yet uh, from Paizo. I think would be uh, something that would tie in well with the reprint of Kingmaker, where it comes out um, so looking something like the Marshall archetype from the APG. That's a class that has a way of doing non-spell casting buffs for their companions. Something that's martial focused and skill focused. Uh, that's not around targeting targeting specific enemies like the ranger does, but someone that can provide leadership for the whole party and isn't a bard. Like, like, a, like, a, like a Starfinder envoy. Yeah, like an envoy. Like yeah. Starfinder envoy, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta jump in here because that's exactly where my head was at, especially with the art. I was thinking yeah. they would in, include something like a tactician. Yes. That, uh, that allow that creates... Um, I don't want to... C- I don't want to call it like breaking the action economy, but something sure. that allows them to like, hey, I can I can like shout out to somebody and give them a free move. Yeah. Like, yeah. boom, that's that's game changing in a system like 2E where you can like yeah. use your turn to position somebody in the correct space. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. A reaction that lets an ally stride, like just my, you know, doesn't even need a, well, I suppose it needs a trigger, right? An ally yeah is acting right like you take your action free step for them and then they get their three actions on top of that that would be that would be enormous enormous for the balance yeah 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 from from my perspective i would just like to see something new i don't as 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 awesome as it would be to see more 1e classes converted or archetypes converted or what what have you i want to see what is a 2e specific class that we've never seen before how cool would that be if they just pulled something out kind of like it's the way i felt when starfinder introduced like the nanosite class what is this crazy concept that i haven't thought about at all but fits naturally in with the system totally that's what i'm excited about that's why i really like that idea of like the tactician because the thing that's so unique to 2e is the three action system yeah and the action economy in 2e like to play with that like like, like literally have a have a character that is that is integrated into that three action system basically that like first made for this three action system character that is there yeah I would much yeah. rather see that than like a Paizo trying to figure out like, oh, how can we make a kineticist work? Like, what is a touch AC in 2E? I would rather see something new based off their system than something old reimagined for their new system. Right. But especially when, as we said yeah. earlier, we've got partner publishers that are coming out with that material already. Awesome. Let's highlight that and let's feature that and let's get people using that stuff. No, but, but what I will say is when Griff, we were chatting about this like a week ago. 
Um, and we were just kind of spitballing what classes they might be. I thought you had a really interesting idea for if they wanted to make gunslinging a thing in 2E. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. if, if you want to talk about, I'm not going to steal your thunder here, but I really liked your concept of making it like an archetype instead yeah. of a class. I, I think a lot of people have thought along these lines. If, if you make it an archetype, you can run a a you can run a game where you have the variant rules for the free archetype and give everybody a gun if you want to. Yep. And you can run your Wild West game like that. I think it I think something like adding the gunslinger as a I mean adding it as a class will add it as an <laughs> as an archetype because it'll yeah, have sure. dedication feats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know that in this system much like a cavalier that a gunslinger needs nah all that much to make it unique because in yeah. one e it was kind of a string of like deeds and stuff you could do and sure yeah, there wasn't there wasn't a ton to it now two e has surprised me by stuff like the swashbuckler which was kind of the same way as a gunslinger in first edition where you didn't really get that much the higher you went it was kind of like five level dip and you had everything that you were going to have it just didn't scale up um but i i just think a gunslinger could easily be an archetype that would be would benefit really heavily from like the free archetype games because it's a unification thing and it would be a boon for homebrewers mm-hmm. that don't necessarily have that right now in any system besides first edition readily available like it, if you want to run something that's not sci-fi that has guns you're and honestly this is probably the right path like go play call of cthulhu or delta green or or even like like any of those systems that are I know those are I'm, I'm putting my horror bias on it, but those are more like tuned for the modern day or you know the the post industrial revolution age, and and kit bashing Pathfinder into that is kind of difficult unless you have stuff yeah. like a gunslinger archetype or whatever that you give everybody. Like I want to use Call of Cthulhu to run a Fallout game, sometime, right? Right, like because yes. Fallout used that same hundred, you know, for the early games, right? It used that same hundred point kind yep. of scale sort of deal. Um, like I've been revisiting Fallout Four came out right when my kid was born, <laughs> and so I have I have these memories of like hours spent where she was taking a nap uh, in the like in the holder, and here's me playing Fallout with the headphones on, so she doesn't hear all the bullets flying and explosions and things like that. Like I want to I want to explore that in a tabletop space, right? And yeah, I mean. I, th- I think you could do it with Starfinder, right? Star Fallout, you could call it, right? Because the weapons are there. They're, yeah. they're weird enough that you could make it work. You just, yep. you know, for the most part, you're humans and not a ton of aliens. But yeah, why not? It starts to get weird, though, with Starfinder, in my opinion, when you try and bring it back to modern. Is sure. that like, you know, Starfinder does have the fantasy portion of science fantasy. And like, it's true. although magic is downplayed compared to the Pathfinder setting, it's still definitely there, and there is a magic system that's in the yeah. game. Uh, uh, radiation. You, sure. You're, you're mutated, and you well, can, okay, uh, you can, uh, it's, it's yeah. Fallout. It's, it's sure, yeah. You're mystic now. It's just something that I think I think needs to be like. If you don't somehow figure out a way to kit bash that back, yeah. you're running with half of the classes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're basically soldiers, envoys, and uh, operatives and mechanics. mechanics I guess yeah. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hey, 
tune in tomorrow to see what they do. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited. Right. Like I'm with you in that. I think that Paizo is going to come out with a class that uh, that features this system in a way that we have not expected, because so far, what have we gotten for classes? It's everything from first edition so far that people know and love. Uh, and then we've with uh, with secrets of magic. We've got another one, two more, the magus and the 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 summoner that are coming out that people know and love. Um, but yeah, what which one are we gonna get that's new and surprises to us? Yeah, uh, new and surprising to us. Give me a cultist, right? Do it. <laughs> watch, watch, watch when they drop the two e gentlemen. The two uh, e gentlemen. <laughs> they had to do it. To two us. new classes: yeah. gentleman, vampire hunter. Oh, there, it is. there it is. All right. Uh, next question. We're gonna go through these kind of quick now because we are coming up on time here. Uh, sure. By New Year, Tart. Why you boys so pretty, Griff? Why you so pretty? It's the lighting. It's the lighting. Oh, That's a good answer. Yeah. We got the <laughs> ring lights up right now. We do. They, the they're pulling, pulling a lot of weight. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Um, as for myself, about once a week, I have a, a clay mask that I like to like to do after I shower. Um, besides that, I just have good genetics. Jason, go ahead. Awesome. Uh, I cannot answer this question with any accuracy because I'm a Midwesterner that's incapable of anything remotely resembling self-praise. So, uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, Just have to take it that I am. That's that's fine. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry for saying it that way. Jason's got a great beard. It's always well-trimmed. And uh, every time I've seen him, he's always well-presented. He's got like a nice button-up on. So, that's pulling a lot of weight, too. The bed's made in the background, you know. Yep. You know, I'm staying at someone else's house <laughs> in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the secret, Steve, is that I own uh, four shirts that are exactly the same brand and, uh, and design. So it's just uh, it's just easier that way. It's like the Zuckerberg uh, T-shirt. I right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there you go. I think that's a great answer, Jason. You only own four shirts. That's I only own so four pretty. shirts. So well really? put together. You don't have a choice. Of, whole bunch of hair ties. I've still yeah, got all this hair. I was totally going to donate this all last summer when, uh, but then you know, I was like, well, shoot, which hairdresser do I go to? And uh, how do I, yeah, anyway, figure that out. Here's a quick aside, because this is fun before we move on. Uh, when I had my big, long Skrillex haircut, yeah, um, I donated that as well. So somebody out there, a, a cancer survivor is wearing my Skrillex nice. haircut. That's awesome. I, <laughs> donated I, hair. I gotta hope they cut that in half and made it into a full wig. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully so. Hopefully so. We we can only hope. All right. Uh, next next question here is from Alex uh, HP Love Sack. It's a great name. Uh, this one's for Jason specifically. Having played through Plague Stone and then the beginner box, do you find that Paizo written adventures are easier or harder to run in two E rather than the one E adventures that you have sure. a lot of experience playing? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll quickly note that preparation is going to make any adventure easier to run. So if you put the time into it to get ready for it, it's gonna work either way. Now, there are definitely sessions that I've run where I didn't get a chance to do the review work I should have before I ran a session, and I can feel it when I'm running it. I'm like, oh God, I am leaving out some things that are gonna make this interesting and exciting for my players, and shame on me for, you guys for doing Abaddon. that. Right? Yeah, that's oh, where do we land up? How do we land up in some of these places? Yeah. Actually, literally, that's how you got Abaddon. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah. were like, we're not ready to shop in Thrushboard. I was like, yeah. okay, random encounter from the back. Here of the we book. go. Here Why we not? Go. Oh, yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. got sent to Abaddon. Fuck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
That said, I think that uh, Paizo has, you know, their strong suit has always been their published adventures. It's what mm-hmm. drives the, it's what drives their company, definitely. But I think they're continually improving on their ideas about how to write published adventures for players of multiple kinds. So it's not just the lifelong gamer that can grab one of these things and be like, okay, I know how to run this in like 20 minutes if I needed to. I could I could jump in and do this. But um, some of the adventures here at the beginning of uh, Pathfinder 2, like we mentioned with Plaguestone, they're highly tuned, right? Like they're, if the expectation is that your players are going to fight through an entire day of reasonable, like, okay, we're not just going to stop in the middle of this dungeon. We're going to power through because we got to save this town that we're taking care of. Um, they're going to get wiped, uh, absolutely wiped. So there's a, there's, a little bit of work that needs to happen with a few of the adventures like that. Um, I think there's a lot of great testing that's going on through Pathfinder Society uh, scenarios that have come out. I've read some great adventures in that line, and I think it's phenomenal that they get to feature new and upcoming writers who are working for Paizo uh, in that adventure creation space. Stuff I would not, I would never dream about creating on my own because I'm primarily a, 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 a forger. I, I copy other people's stuff. I don't necessarily <laughs> create my own things, right? Um, so easier is harder. As always, it depends on what kinds of adjustments the adventure needs to make it fit the party that's playing rather than just throwing exactly what the book says at them, which is why Right now, converting PF1 adventures to PF2 is in some ways easier because I have an idea about what's going to challenge my players and how I can build encounters that'll challenge them uh, rather than just be satisfactory for the theme of the adventure uh, that we're running up against. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a great answer, Jason. Really appreciate that. Um, similarly, Alex is also asking, uh, what ritualistic sacrifices do you make daily to have a voice that's smooth? <laughs> Just curious on your thoughts. Sure. Uh, no sacrifices uh, that I make other than just uh, of my life to what I do. But, uh, you know, poor sleep, too much coffee and a whole lot of practice at talking to people like I want them to buy something. So that is that is <laughs> basically go. it. I remember at work, when I worked for the church, I was saying hello to somebody at, before the service started. And she's like, oh, you must be in sales. And I was like, no, ma'am, I work for the church, by which I mean, yes, I am. In sales. I am in sales. <laughs> <laughs> May I interest you in having your child baptized or getting married here? Uh, that that was my job. So yeah. <laughs> Look back at the records. Historical record of baptisms at that church. Everyone wanted to go there. Everybody wanted to so, go it's there. It's silky smooth voice. So it was a big, big numbers. My first year, we did 222 baptisms. I could not uh, imagine uh, ever having to step into a position like that. That's, um, that was actually a joke, but I guess it was true. It was, it was, it was a big. Oh, we're baptizing yeah. on weeknights now. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> just, just run them through the waterfall. We'll be fine. It'll count. Dude, two, two days. Two days. Two days. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Um, so uh, again, we got so we got this other question from our good buddy Jeremy. Um, he was going to call in, but he says, "Oh well." All right. Well, you could have called in. You could have called in. We would have played. I told you we would have called in. But uh, all right. So has Jason ever met someone who didn't instantly have a man crush ass on him, asking for a friend? Oh. I feel like most <laughs> well, of these most of these questions are just people catcalling you. I, I know, right? Being catcalled. I'm flattered. It's like those two uh, but, people uh, are your players. 
<laughs> it's true. They are in Lunch Hour Heroes, and uh, uh, spoiler alert: they're 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 generous, kind individuals to say so. Jeremy but, sent uh, us all sheets. He's very yeah, generous. Yeah, he is very generous. <laughs> My bed yeah. is clothed by Jeremy's sheets. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I would say uh, probably there's someone, but they've always been kind enough not to not tell me that to my face. So I'm pretty good about dispelling the illusion once you get to know me or live with me for too long of a time. So uh, yeah, but uh, my wife still loves me. My kid still loves me. I think when she is not in that middle of like five-year-old emotions where she's like, I don't love you anymore. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Right now you don't, but maybe long-term. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're, we're going to end on a good one. Uh, Woody's not cat calling you. Um, yeah. But I know him well enough that he probably would. Um, would. But so, dearest Jason, tell us about a character you've always wanted to play but haven't. Yeah. Well, Woody, number one in my heart, number one in my program. Uh, thanks for this question. <laughs> it's been a, that's a that's a good callback joke. That's good. Of the best. Uh, it has been a long, long time since I have listened to some Wheel 2E, and I I miss you guys. Uh, it's side, quick sidebar interacting with them is probably why what do you do pods came to be the way it was because when i reached out to them after listening to their podcast they responded and they engaged me in conversation uh and so i'm just really grateful uh to him and uh and the whole crew for for doing that um it's funny they're also the first other podcast that we chatted with extensively yeah yeah Yeah. i think it's because we came out around like we were like a week or two. We were like a couple weeks apart, and uh, they Very were, you similar. know, they were playing two e play test or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I think Joey actually reached out to me. He was like, "Oh, I played, you know, I ran these guys through Carrying Crown for like two books. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's shoot the yeah, shit yeah. about it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember the first time I got flushed in the face listening to one of their adventures uh, being recorded, and I was like, "Oh, thank." God, I'm listening to this on my headphones and not the car audio where my kids hearing it in the backseat. <laughs> yeah, um, that'll, I was like, that'll happen. Ooh, that, that'll happen. Ever, so. ever listen to their Halloween episodes? <laughs> oh, boy. Monster Hearts is get something. A little it steamy. Something. So, uh, so uh, Woody, to get back to the question, it's funny because as long as I've been around this game, I have... I've made a whole lot of characters that I haven't played um, because usually the ones I make tend to just survive and and last a long time or I'm GMing. So, um, so yeah, I haven't gotten to play a whole ton. If I was going to show up uh, to play with you all, I would totally dive into to Joey's mythology for the Wheeler Woe podcast and I would absolutely play a cleric of Chava from uh, the, the enemy side of things, as it were. <laughs> uh, that for some reason your characters just have to work with to advance the story. So someday, buddy, someday. But uh, if I were going to be playing in Smash Finder, I'd take a character that I made for Alex Giordano running us through the Dawn of the Scarlet Sun in Second Adventure and bring my orc investigator assassin he was along. Fun. It was a I lot. I was glad of fun we had we had two APG orc characters in oh, there. It was, it was nice. I was playing yeah, the APG nice. orc uh, in in or sorry, Swashbuckler, and he was playing the investigator. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Those two classes together can do a whole lot of hurt. 
in a hurry. Yeah, <laughs> nice. a whole lot of hurry. Right now, though, uh, it, I mean, as anything, it'll depend on the adventure that I'm playing in, right? Like, where am I going to set myself and what am I going to do? In Curse of the Crimson Throne that we're playing right now, I get to do uh, a tiefling-inspired blade swashbuckler slashed empiricist investigator that I've been wanting to run for a long time and hadn't had a chance to. So he might end up being a minor crime lord before too long. And that's exciting and fun. Um, because I, I have told you this before, yeah. right? Like I've literally made that character. Yeah. yeah like, I yeah. played it. It was the one time Steve ran us through something. Only he ran time. us through the seven swords of sin. <laughs> and, uh, and I was a level seven, one level um, inspired blade swashbuckler, six levels empiricist. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it plays like a dream. And he it, was a tiefling oh, as well. It plays like a dream. It, tr- yeah, it truly yeah. was um, what I imagine that Griff uh, lives with every week where just like every single time I had them make any sort of check, it was just, mm. uh, yeah, Quillgrim succeeds. Great. All right, cool. Great. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's very like what's happened with the two Matumbe where I'm just like it is. crushing every skill check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got these huge bonuses. So yeah, yeah it really depends on the, as, as with anything, it depends on the adventure. Um, so if you pitch me an adventure and ask me what kind of character I want to play for it, I'll I'll come up with something. I'm trying to think of an adventure that like, like is there something I'd really love to play in? I'm enjoying Curse of the Crimson Throne right now. If I had more time to play other ones, what would I play? Great question. I, uh, I I got to play a fun dwarf cleric when we played part of uh, the Emerald Spire Super Dungeon, and that was an awesome time. I really enjoyed that, but I spent almost all of his money that he made in the dungeon on uh, the downtime mechanics from Ultimate Campaign to build his own smithy and workshop and build up a business and things like Naturally, that. Naturally, yes. And I think at a certain point, my, my fellow players were just like, could you buy gear that works <laughs> could you buy and help get us in the dungeon? <laughs> Yeah, I was like, sure, give me an, give me two weeks of downtime. I'll build myself. I'll build myself shield. that shit with the forge I bought. But I, why do you think I'm spending this money instead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I like to think that he's still sitting out there at Fort Inevitable, uh, hammering out some nails, and uh, uh, for the for the townspeople, while also creating delightful weaponry for the adventurers that come through. So, yeah, always time to build adventurers, and rarely enough time to play them. So, and yeah. what's gonna f- put food on the table? The blacksmith shop. Blacksmith <laughs> shop. That's right. What's gonna, that's what's going to pay the bills. Jason, it has been an absolute blast having you on. As always, um, we're going to have great. to do this again sometime. Maybe check in a little bit after a couple more uh, episodes of Smash Finder are out. Yeah, there I mean, once you re- once you realize that you know the cream rises to the top, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll bring you on yeah. when we're the finalists. HLP oh. is <laughs> just uh, textbook cream. Textbook. Oh, so we we proved that in episode one, I think. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. yeah. Early on, and all of our other victories after episode one. But yes, let's let's do this after your exhibition match. Why don't I? Why don't we connect and we'll just say like let's. Do a real quick recap. Oh, we'll talk. We'll, we'll go over the tapes. We'll go over the tapes. We'll go over the live reading. Yeah, <laughs> live I, watching of the tapes. Let's let's Twitch stream that some night, right? Like we'll watch the replay. Yeah, and, yeah. And be we'll like be the d- to- director's cut on a DVD, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. We'll just superimpose our faces over the our faces in the recording, and it'll, it'll be great. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You heard it here, folks. Uh, that's what's gonna happen. That's what's gonna happen. We're doing it. <laughs> All right. Um, but before we take off, um, 
Just wanted to make a little bit of announcement here. Our next Zone of Truth is going to be our live one for the month of January 2021. That is going to take place on Saturday of the 9th. So if you are subscribing at the $10 and up Patreon tier for the HLP, um, you have access to that. Please, please leave us voicemails because then we can play them and answer those questions live. Um, we're going to have the chat thing going like last time. It's going to be really exciting. And do you know how we're going to wrap that episode up, Griffin? Yeah, because you, you have it written here, but why don't you tell folks? That's right. That was a setup. At the end of that finale, so the people who tune in live are going to know this first, we are going to make the announcement of what our second AP show will be. That's super exciting. Yeah. It came to me in a dream. Yes, we've been to, I, I, you know, I posted this in the Discord just a few days ago, um, but there has been so much uh, back and forth between us, between the other members of the upcoming show about uh, character concepts, the story, all of the different back matter that we can read to get ready for it. And I am so excited. Does that mean you're counting yourself out as GM? Yeah, didn't we say that already? No, we did. Oh, well, I, no. I'm GMing the second yeah, one. Yeah, Chris, uh, uh, Chris GMing it, right? <laughs> I'm GMing the second yeah. one. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I look forward to putting that on the spreadsheet when it's when it's announced. Uh, you're going to have to come up with a new category, Jason. Yeah, coming, coming soon. Ooh. Well, it's okay. not a new category, but just delete I feel like record. you've had one or two of these before, but yeah. <laughs> you have to figure it out. Yeah. yeah it's going to yeah. be unique, but it's going to be cool and very um, in line with the Paizoverse. It's going to awesome. be It's going to be cool. Awesome. Um, but so, yeah, tune in the uh, the ninth to hear that. It's going to be a big event. It's going to be exciting. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a Shroud Malort or something. We'll see. Um, Shroud Malort live? Ooh. Who knows? Um, My God. <laughs> but anyway. You only live once. Like I said, Jason, thank you uh, for joining us. We love having you. We got to do this Thanks. again. But I want to give you one more opportunity just to plug anything out there that you're involved with because I know it's a lot. Sure. Yeah, totally. So give me a follow over on Twitter at at what do you do pods pods at the end and give smash finder a follow on twitter as well at smash finder uh you can keep an eye out for other projects or other collaborations that happen in the works uh or get dreamed out over there uh stuff that actually stands up to the do i have time for this test and there's a couple of maybes in there right now but uh we'll see we'll have to we'll have to see how that all pans out but uh for now uh what do you do pods i kind of took a break this week for the holidays looking forward to sharing a whole lot more brand new episodes with you all tomorrow uh well or today or yesterday depending on when you're listening to this um <laughs> and uh yeah and at smash finder for the arena based goodness that we're coming up with for the Paizoverse there so yeah Ooh, and one more thing before we take off lunch hour heroes Lunch Hour Heroes is a whole lot of fun that we have on the HLP Discord. Uh, you can come find us usually on Fridays at noon Eastern time, where I run a few of the folks from the channel and from the server through a second edition adventure of some type, whether that is something like the Fall of Plaguestone adventure that we did earlier, or the Beginner's Box that we just wrapped up this past week, or if it's something from first edition that we're converting to second edition, or Pretty soon here, we'll be starting The Slithering, mm -hmm. the next uh, yeah. adventure from second edition. That is not a whole adventure path, just an adventure. And we get to see how Fell Antler fares against amorphous bodied enemies, let's say. Um, <laughs> spoiler, folks, probably not well. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Yeah. Piercing antlers is. Uh, yeah, mm. piercing antlers is not the, probably not the right thing <laughs> for those. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I will just add to that. I am a player on that. Uh, we have a a very fun cast of folks that oh, yeah. come play uh, from uh, from some other podcasts. We've had some of the Dice Crisis folks uh, on there. We have um, you know some of the people that have asked questions today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we, it's really fun, and honestly, it's not. If you have a lunch break, feel free to come join. We yeah. really just, you know, I'll share my uh, I'll share my screen in Roll Twenty, and we're all kind of talking in the chat. It's not a uh, like a pro stream no. <laughs> thing by any means, no. but uh, <laughs> but we're having fun, so uh, yeah. we'd be happy happy to see you if you join, and we we do chat with folks in the chat. Yeah, a lot a lot of people yeah. join just to just to chat and listen and stuff. So like. It, Hop in the Discord and uh, enjoy the craziness. Yeah, you never know who's going to be playing on a given day, so it's uh, a lot of fun from that uh, from that angle as well. Like who's who's hopping in to be part of this adventure? So, yeah, come on by. Audio only if you want to. Video if you want to see what we're doing on the battle map. But honestly, it's just a blast. You never know what's going to happen. It's it's very much like a box of chocolates in that way. It really is. It really is. <laughs> That was a great analogy to end us. I've never heard that one before. No, no, it has. <laughs> yeah, very original. But anyway, like I said, tune in Saturday. You're going to get a cool surprise. If you're not there, you're going to hear it the, the Monday after that. Otherwise, um, Jason, thank you again for your time. We love you. Yeah. We're having you back. You guys too. Uh, yeah, thank yeah. you for everything you do for the community. And uh, keep, it, keep it real, man. Yeah, I see you yeah. trying to cheers me right cheers. now. And I will raise this glass of cheers. old style. Once again, <laughs> happy New Year's, guys. Happy New happy Year's. New Year's. Griff, is there anything you want to say to the people at home before we take off? Uh, no, I just need you to finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.